The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. This is episode number 92. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helene with Helene Sports. And today's guest, he really needs no introduction. He's the one and only. He's the head coach of Extreme Couture and the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou, Coach Eric Nixick, and by the way, Coach Dewey Cooper. Dewey Cooper... Black Cobra Striking Systems. He's going to be walking in here pretty soon. Thanks for joining us today. He's got jump squats for being late, so you're going to have to make him pay. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> hold him accountable. Thanks for coming in today. I mean, oh, this, my is, pleasure. this is Wednesday. It's your first day back in Vegas. Yeah. Is it kind of settling in now or what? Um, yeah, we usually try to give a day or two to celebrate or to, you know, you know, if you're if you're sad or you're upset about it. But um this with the the complexity of camp and the way everything was, I was like, man, I need to take a couple of days off and chill. So I had uh, already set aside, like rented a little beach house in Newport. Already knew that you know, win, lose, or draw, I was going to spend a couple of days with the fam. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is um, the reinvestment back in the family when you have such a long, long camp and the time that's taken away from them throughout the camp. Um, I just always feel it's important to kind of get back to that as well. You're always so generous with your time, and you're yeah. everywhere, too. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming in. and I mean, you don't skip a beat. You really don't take many days off. I know. No, Maybe I Sundays, if that. Barely. Like Sundays, I, I usually kind of, for my day. So, I'll, you know, I, I try to work out every day, but, like, Sundays is usually my day where it's like, hey, I'm going to get something done for me, you know, as far as production-wise goes, or if it's training or doing something on my own. And it's nice because I'll go to the gym, and there's no one there, and I can just go in and do whatever the hell I want. But yeah, you know, my dad always said, man, if it's, if it's important to you, you're going to find the time. So I just started, you know, cutting out most of the BS and just making sure I was getting my job done, whatever had to be. Well, speaking of BS, obviously the storylines are out there too. Everything coming at the camp, Francis's knee injury, and uh, everyone talks about the contract dispute and everything like that with the UFC. But after getting this victory and the way Francis got the victory, it's got to be a big relief off your shoulders you could finally breathe after everything going on right yeah definitely and uh you know you know coach when, when Dewey gets here we'll kind of we'll kind of laugh about the situation but we we were we were like we get so worked up about stuff going on in camp him and myself like we wouldn't put that on to Francis it'd be like it'd be like mom and dad fighting and in, in not fighting but like you know, talking business in the garage. So the kids didn't hear about it, you know, but like me and dude, like, Oh my God, like, fuck, you know, this shit. And what, you know, what else can happen? What else can go wrong? And then we would giggle. There was always be a point where we're like, but he's going to go in there and knock this dude out. He's going to win this fight. We're going to laugh about this later on, you know? So we, we always had that positive perspective spin on the end of it, but yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't the easiest camp by any means, but for me, like, I felt like it was something that we needed to, define ourselves as coaches as, as as Francis being the fighter but moreover 
um, the champion. You know, I, I feel like to, to really be the champion, you're going to have to see some adversity and you're going to have to learn how to fight through it. And that's what we were able to do. How were you guys able to kind of manage all the outside noise going on and make sure that Francis was doing what he was supposed to do to get that W? I think the outside noise is going to be inherent. You're going to you're going to hear and see and a lot of the things with the backstory and build up. But um, our job as coaches was not to add more to it and bring more more drama and more to the to the table. So when you get guys like Dewey and myself who are, are pretty no like no ego guys, we're not trying to steal spotlight or make it about us or make it more more drama. Um, you know, we just knew that like it already had a backstory and already had enough stuff. Like, let's not add more to that and focus in on what we need to do. And that was to you know to beat Cyril Gone. So that was ma- the main thing I think for me was just like. I don't want to add more bullshit to to this. It's already enough going on, you know? One thing that really stuck out to me, I remember the post-fight press conferences when Francis had that moment, that aha moment, like, oh, he's broken. Yeah. And I know you've talked about it too, where he felt, you felt like you had broken this guy too. Yeah. And you know what that feeling was like when he had that first Stipe fight too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talk to us through, the audience through, like, and that type of moment is that type of coach. Like, what does that feel like when your guy is in control and you know you're going to walk out of here with the the result that you've all been training for well we'll back up a little bit and just kind of francis's build of his skill set and and what he's been doing you know he's walking let's go right now hey you got jump squats bro jump squats (laughs) we're gonna count them i was so stoked when i heard you were coming though hey i want to hear that i want to be here in four she just she switched the schedule (laughs) what's up we're just talking trash about you long time no see I think you got headsets over here, yeah? I think your headset's right hey, to your thank uh, you. left. Hey, guys, we're supposed to be here at 4. <laughs> 30 minutes makes a difference. <laughs> but we My just started. My basketball game, and I was going to take her after the the interview, but the 30 minutes made a difference, so I had to take her before. And driving to Liberty High School is a Oh, you're, you're gone. Uh, so, yeah. Appreciate you coming on. You're, yeah. you're talking about round three, essentially, kind of what we – yeah. What kind of happened, transpired, and everything else. But, um, you know, he he's built this skill set over the last two and a half, three years. And for us, I think that we always preach to him that we have to have a full MMA skill set. You have to have an off-speed pitch. The only thing you have in your arsenal is a fastball. You know, eventually people are going to start timing it. So we need to have some other things in case we need to fall back on it. So, I mean, really credit to Francis for um, getting that wrestling, getting that cardio, getting everything in there. But we needed something to kind of sway the momentum, you know. My dad was saying football, like, get something to get the band playing. Sway the momentum back to your direction. And that was when Francis caught the kick, um, you know, had that very beautiful takedown. But it was like a big exclamation point. You know, the way he took him down, the way he slammed him, the way he was able to settle his weight on top. And then the the round was over, and Cyril was kind of in our backside corner, and Francis had a sh- little, very short walk to get to the stool, whereas Cyril kind of had to peel himself off the mat and then walk all the way across the mat, you know? So I was coming in with the stool with Coach Dewey, and I literally stood, like, in the middle of the octagon, and I yelled at Francis and pointed at Cyril. And I was like, look at this motherfucker. He's fucking broke. Look at him. And I wanted to say it loud enough that Cyril heard us that we identified that he was broken and he was tired, and I wanted Francis to hear it as well 
to get him to feel that energy also. And we got Francis on the stool and you can see he had a big old smile on his face. And I was like, hey, we're on to something right now, right? And he goes, yep, let's get back to it. So we knew right away because of the way Cyril was trying to get up, his answers to the ground game, that we now saw a clear path to victory. And that's what we said. We decided we're going to show more level change and feign our level change to scare him to get his hands to drop, throw the overhand, or attach to the legs. And let's get on these takedowns. Terrell did well the first two rounds, but unfortunately it's a five-round fight. And like you said, after that big slam, Surreal kind of was, was, was deflated. And Francis got that second and third win. He got excited. He got rejuvenated. And uh, we knew the, the tide had changed for the better for us. I know everybody's seen it, but the clip, right, what you were telling Francis and in, in between rounds. Going into five? Yeah. Yeah, going yeah. into five. I mean, that's our that's our, our flow, man. Like, you know, I think uh, him and I feed very well off each other in the corner. We've cornered numerous fighters together for numerous amount of years, and that's just reps. You know, he knows what I'm feeling. I know what he's feeling. Um, you know, I try to set, set the stage in that position, pass it over to him, and then give uh, give one last little motivational piece. And, you know, somebody said, uh, actually, King Mo just, just wrote me just now, and he's like, dude, you and Dewey in the corner are like two snipers just picking off everything you need to do and touching and covering. It's, 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 remember, we can't give 10 pieces of information. He's never going to retain that. So I give a couple pieces, like two, and that's going to resonate with Francis. He's going to give two, and that's going to resonate, and then we give the motivational piece, and then it's done. So, um, I mean, dude, I wouldn't, there's no other guy in the corner I like to work with. It's just, it's just we're able to flow off each other. And you also had the champion Usman in his corner too. It wasn't the first time he's joined you guys. What was it like having him in the corner, and how elated was he when he saw all the wrestling, especially <laughs> th rounds three, four, and five? Usman was was very happy. Um, he was stressed like hell in the first two rounds. <laughs> Stressing. We had to tell him to shut up a couple times. <laughs> we 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 love Kamaru. <laughs> But, you know, he was stressed because he loves Francis so much. And him and Francis are friends. We're friends with Francis also, but we're also his coaches. So we don't get too emotionally invested at those moments of it don't look too well. Usman was definitely starting to stress. But he's a champion. He wanted the best for Francis. He really wanted Francis to win. And, um, and, and when he started wrestling, Usman was really happy about that because he's seen – that clear, that clear path to victory. So he settled down, and uh, we all felt comfortable going into the fifth round because we all had it 2-2 going into the fifth, and we knew we had the momentum swing, and we just knew five minutes left. Who wants this five minutes the most? We knew our guy had the gas like a lot of these fucking people. What a camera at? What a camera at? All you, pe all you people talking about, Francis will gas out. He don't have five in him. It came down to the last motherfucking five minutes and you've seen what happened and to your defense on the gas tank when we would come to extreme and we would watch him after practice 40 minutes straight jump rope yeah. he yeah. wouldn't take a break yes yeah. 45 minutes at the 45 end. yeah okay i mean we, we we tailor you've been to our pro practices they're hard for a reason and we make them that way because when they get in a fight they already make a mental connection to i've already been through worse way worse and that's the way we – it's by design. So come the fifth round, we can look at them and know there's sweat equity that we've left on the mats. It's not yes. just two coaches yelling at you, telling you fucking whatever bullshit. Yeah, go, go, go you when know, you haven't like, put that work in. Yeah, bro. Hey, I believe in you isn't like – it's not fucking bullshit. I believe in you because I've seen you fucking do it over and over and over again on yes. Sicko Saturdays, yes. on all of our practice days that we do. Like, bro, we're built for this shit, and let's go prove them wrong. 
That's right. That's right. And a lot of people, I know I came in late. I'm sure Eric already covered it. But I've been telling you people, Francis was a well, a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Just because you knock people out all the time and because you're blessed with so much power doesn't mean you're not pounding the pavement and proving your skills. If improvement is possible, perfection is not good enough. Francis been knew how to wrestle. He been knew how to grapple. It's about time uh, someone pulled it out of him to show it. And so uh, we all expected him to out-grapple him, out-wrestle him, out-jits him, and out-strike him. That was always... That was our expectation going into the fight, regardless of the odds and all of that. We felt very comfortable uh, that Francis was going to win the fight, even with the really bad injury. Had not been for the injury, guys, he would have dusted him off way easier. With the injury, we still felt confident enough to know he could still pull out a victory, and that's exactly what happened. That's why the whole camp, go to Francis' uh, YouTube page, and see all the videos. After every training session, what did we say? And still. <laughs> Facts. And even the fight day itself, there was so much drama. Uh, his manager was also there with you guys, Markel. Yeah. The text message, we saw those that <laughs> yeah. he received too. And just yeah. the legal threats and stuff like that. The hours before, just getting ready from the hotel room, on the bus, to the arena. How the hell did you temper all the emotions, all that stuff, and block it off? Walk us through, like, what you guys were doing to keep so even keel. <laughs> well, I've, I mean, we're just built different, you know? And it's, at that point, there, I mean, a meteor could have fucking hit the hotel, and we would have laughed that shit off. That's you right. Know? That's right. And, and we just kept telling ourselves all camp is, like, this is only going to make for the, a, the better part of the story. Yes. This is only going to make the story better, right? Like, we're like... Bro, there ain't nothing else now they can throw at us. And then when that happened, honestly, I just kind of giggled. Yeah, like, we well, laughed. what else is it, you know? Yeah, it's like, like, what else can they throw at us? It's so. like the devil is alive, you know? People always want to knock you off the path. And so many people let the obstacles, the adversities, the public opinion sway them. We are titanium, man. We were trying to talk Francis out of fighting. But once he gave us a definitive... I want to fight. We said, we ain't talking about it no more. Let's make it happen. And the doctor said, like, irreversible damage potentially, too, if you're fighting on this. For sure. But but a a proven mind, a confident mind, a for sure mind is hard to stop. And that's what he showed us. All the shit that happened fight day, it don't matter what happens. Nobody gives a fuck about how we feel. Nobody gave a fuck about how Francis felt. It's about what you do in life. Francis could have used every excuse. My knee, I got lawsuits, the UFC's fucking with me the day of my fight. Had he lost that fight, what would all of, not you guys, you guys are great people, but most people would have said what? Excuses, excuses, excuses. Yeah, for sure. It's not about anything. It's never about how you feel when it comes to these any sport. It's about what the fuck you do. And uh, so I wasn't stressed at all because Francis had already made us understand that he wasn't pulling out. So it don't matter if the UFC wants to fire him, if if World War Three breaks out, if lo- as long as the the Hunter Center don't get blown up, we knew he was fighting. Yeah, we fighting. knew he was fighting Saturday night, <laughs> and we knew he was winning Saturday night. That's why we didn't panic after round one. We didn't panic out the round two. We knew, okay, urgency is urgency time, but we didn't panic because I just felt it in my heart. God's plan was on when we walked out. I just felt like, yo, he went in this fight no matter what it took, and that's exactly what happened. 
Damn. Damn. I know. I'm I'm getting motivated listening to that. <laughs> but were you guys surprised afterwards when he won and Dana White didn't come in the octagon to wrap the belt no, around I his mean, waist? I wasn't. I, I don't. I don't. None of us really care. Like, yeah. I think it kind of got made a big deal, and you know, the backstory. Yes, it's it because of the things that went on. Um, but none of us cared. I mean, he won, and it's and whatever Dana decides to do, he's a grown man. That's up to him. That's right. To be quite fair, like none of us really cared. You know, I, I I think he should have done it. In looking back, just because I know those guys were trying to mend fences and make things work, but and un, unfortunately, the way the media has has spun it, that they, they think that Dana, you know, was kind of a bad job on his part. None of us cared. You know, we all love Mick Maynard. You know, Mick's great. So yeah. it is what it is. We we won. That's all that mattered to us. You know, anybody could have put the belt around him, and fucking, we would have been happy no matter what. Yes, let me let me piggyback that. The objective was victory, man. Like I said, we ain't give a fuck about nothing else. Facts. We didn't care about nothing else. We wanted Francis to be safe as he possibly could, because we knew about the ramifications going into the fight, about the irreversible damage, and him being on a bum leg, still one on a bum leg, bum knee. Anyway, we didn't care about that. I will say, let me backtrack. I've been knowing Dana White way before this UFC shit started, man. I've been knowing Dana since before the UFC was bought out, you know, when it got sold to the Japanese company, et cetera. Dana used to uh, be a coach at our gym. We are all at the same gym called United Champions. So Dana White and I have been friends for way before this UFC shit popped off. So... At the moment, we were just so thrilled about Francis showing that good old-fashioned wrestling <laughs> and winning the fight. But when people start talking about it at the post-fight, deep down inside, though, I really don't give a damn. I was a little like, that wasn't cool, Dana. Because I know the real Dana. He ain't some racist dude. He ain't some, you know, whatever people think he is. Dana's normally... Truly a cool guy. I've known him for a long time. So I was a little disappointed that he wouldn't show up to the post fight. I was a little disappointed that he didn't put the belt around Francis because Francis did deserve that moment, especially with all the shit that was going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So deep down inside, slightly, like 5% disappointment. But at the end of the day, the objective, the object, the objective was reached. We were victorious. We are still... A world champion, a UFC heavyweight world championship winning motherfucking team. I'm proud as hell about that. People say what the fuck they want to say. <laughs> we are a championship winning team, defending undisputed world championship winning team in the UFC heavyweight division, man. It don't get no better. So with Dana not showing up, it's okay. But, hey, we're happy anyway. He did, he did give me a, a, a hug on his way out. Dana did. Like on the way, Francis was doing media. I think talking to Megan Olivi, and he was walking out, um, coming down the corridor. Gave me a handshake and a hug, and he said, "Hey, good job, kid, man. That was awesome performance." You know, so for whatever it's worth, you have to you have to be transparent. He did acknowledge me and gave me a hug and said, "Great job," and you know, kept moving on. But you know, it wasn't like he just cold shouldered us on the way out yeah. either. No, like explanation or anything like that. No, and I didn't ask for one. It was it was very brief. It was you know, and look, we understand because we also have a stable of fighters that fight for the UFC. So it's it's tough for us to be like I can't yeah. slam the UFC for something. And I was gonna say that too. You know, this podcast, us, we understand business is business. Every single business has greatness. Everyone has imperfections. We for get sure. it. But the UFC has done so much for so many fighters for sure around the world, and we totally understand the position everybody's in. Yeah. So we get it. We totally understand. And honestly, from from our perspective, and I don't want to speak for Coach, but I know his his heart is the same as mine. Is like 
we just we just want this to get worked out because yeah. we want to compete against the best, and that's in the UFC. So, um, but Francis has his stances on things, and I hope that they can come to terms and figure this whole thing out because we want to stay with the UFC and we want to compete against the best that's, that they have to offer. That's right. Well, us too. We want to see that too. But we'd be stupid if we didn't bring up Tyson Fury. Eventually, we got to get to that too, especially your background. Good old boxing. You know, yeah. we love we love that boxing. They does like a twelve round fight. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess since I just brought it up, we have to stick to that. But, like, if that fight hypothetically were to ever happen, what can make that the fairest level playing field possible for the fans to win, to see everything? I got it. Let me ask you this one. Boxing fight, MMA gloves, but it's the four-ounce, eight-ounce MMA gloves in a cage. Don't have to be an octagon. has to be a cage. We meet halfway. Instead of a ring, put it in a cage, eight ounce MMA gloves on, like the puffy ones guys spar in, and make it a boxing fight. But you can clinch. You can clinch. Okay. So no knees, you can clinch. Straight Dirty hands. boxing, like Dirty like, boxing is okay. legal. Basically like the bare knuckle boxing rules, just with eight ounce MMA gloves in a cage. That way it's not completely a boxing fight. It's not completely a mixed martial arts fight. It's like somewhere it's 65-35 boxer, you know what I mean? Because it's still more boxing because you can't kick knee or take him down. And we'll see if Tyson still has the same energy, if he's real, willing to exchange punches with a, with a power puncher like Francis and Gunner with those little gloves on. I boxed professionally for a long time. Um, the boxing gloves can save people a little bit. The smaller those gloves get, you know, the realer that shit gets when it comes to getting hit. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be great. Boxing in the cage, fight zone, my man Jack, make it happen. Allegiant Stadium. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. Huge. Yeah. That would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. So have you talked to Francis about that idea? Definitely not. We're just happy. <laughs> First of all, we want to get through this fight because yeah. facts. somehow we were an underdog somehow as the champion. Um, somehow people thought we were fighting the new Anderson Silva as a Frenchman heavyweight or something, you know, this guy that moves like a welterweight and well, has that endurance. Knee injury came out. Yes, that got leaked. Yeah, so you the know, odds changed. Oh, you and I talked about that. Yeah. Remember, I said, yeah. look, watch this. We'll know in Vegas, being a Vegas boy, we know when those lines start to move. That's when the word's out. Yeah, but you know? so, but 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 the whole narrative. He moves like a welterweight. Yep. Has has the endurance of a lightweight. We've never seen the likes of anything like this. If I was Francis and Gunnar's coaches, I'll start studying this guy right now. <laughs> we did. We knew it. But we I think knew it. I think they came up with that narrative too, just because of the way he looked against Derek Lewis in Houston. Yes, and they Don't. just assumed that yeah. you know that would carry over because. Obviously, but don't forget too. Like it was what Coach uh, Jarzinho and uh, I think his Volkov performance to me was his best performance. Yes, yeah, but Jarzinho sure. and uh, might have been another one. The narrative that they were running, he was boring. Yeah. He, he was he should have put this guy away sooner. He was playing safe. He was this. He was that. Yes. you know. And in my mind, I'm like, we understand as coaches, whatever path to victory that you can do to win and get guarantee yourself a paycheck or two paychecks or the, to move up the rung. Because this business, I want to say they don't give a fuck about you, but you know you have to you have to win. Yes. I don't care how you win, but win. That's all. You know yes. what I'm saying? So um, 
But the Derek Lewis fight, you know, he came out and, and put that guy away the way that he did. Everybody was like, ooh, shit. You know, we're still like, all right, well, yeah, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's really yes. good, but we're, we're going to figure him out, you know? Yes, yes. We, we felt, especially I felt, the Derek Lewis fight, Derek just kind of stood around and just got peppered away and frustrated and, and psychologically more tired than physically tired, and he broke. He just said, man, it's not my day. We knew our fighter, Freston Gano, was going to be a little more elusive, a little, a lot more athletic, and throwing that hot shit back at him. It's different, man. We, when you in the trenches and them bullets coming back at you, that shit is different. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I got to say this. I hate to say this, but four weeks before the fight actually happened, Francis was looking phenomenal. He was fantastic. He looked good in the gym. He was punching harder than he ever punched, kicking harder than he ever kicked, ran through sicko series like a sicko. It was nothing. Yeah. We said right then, holy shit, guns in big trouble. New level. He, 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 he took it up to another level that he hasn't been. Um, and we were so excited about what was going to happen four weeks later. And God knocked us off the pedestal and, and gave us adversity. That's uh, but, mm -hmm. but he still did it. But I just wish people would have seen the Francis we seen four weeks out. He was already at the weight that he was fighting when he fought Stipe uh, four weeks from a month from the fight with Gunn. He was already 263, shit like that. Man, I'm telling you, he was another level. The injury really, really stifled our, our progress and our momentum for training camp because who knows what he would have been 10 days before the fight, man. Yeah. He was on an upward trajectory that we had never seen before, and we were freaking out. Holding the pads was punishing. <laughs> you know I saw I mean? the video. Let me tell you Where something. Where you, like, flew. Power. <laughs> power. Power. It was crazy. Yeah, that was a great video, by the yeah. way. The one she's referring to where you disappeared. <laughs> it was like two days before the fight. Hey, yeah, Jim Shaw got me. They got me with that one. So many people called me saying, what the fuck, dude? What have you become? I said, dude, it's different if it's your fighter deflating you. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yes. Somebody else, I want to shoot his ass. They put a video of me like that out. But with him, he's, he's okay. <laughs> the, the way the complexity of the camp changed, though, and which is so nice about having a guy like Dewey is he just quarterbacked the whole thing from there on out. The complexity of the camp changed immediately, and we sat and just we just brainstormed how can we get the techniques, the cardio, and everything in without having the use of the right leg. And we just see he's like, bro, we're going to have to go to Bones Adams. We're going to have to do bags. We're going to do um, pad work. We're going to do a lot of pocket stuff. We're going to pummel. We're going to do everything that we can do basically in a phone booth to try to replicate some of the cardio that we're missing out from wrestling and actually sparring. So, I mean – you know, this guy took a fucking beating for, for three and a half weeks, man. It, it was, was ugly. It was crazy. ugly. Every time I came into the practice, I was like, I love you, Dewey. <laughs> Good luck, crazy. brother. <laughs> and here's the thing. It was because we keep trying to keep everything covert. So we couldn't invite other sparring partners or nothing. So guess who became the battle ram? Guess who became the sparring partner? The old man. I'm fucking 47 years old. I used to take some good shots, but Francis was punching hard, man. <laughs> Even when he didn't want to punch hard, he was punching hard. And he's so funny. Francis is so cool. You know, we'd be sparring. We spar like every other day for three straight weeks. I was getting the hell beat out of me. 
And every time I start getting a, a nice little flow, he hit me to the body hard as hell and Shut just take down. the win right out of me, the bastard. I didn't quit, but trust me, I was at my threshold like, yo, I can't do this shit no more. <laughs> he knew how to slow you down. Man, he was punching me so hard to the body, and then he would just laugh. And I said, I hate you. And we just start punching each other again. It was awesome. I will never forget those last three weeks. But remember, I didn't do it because I wanted to. Earlier today, I said, it's not how you feel. It's about what the fuck you do. Mm. We didn't do this shit like that because we wanted to. It's because that's what we had to do to keep Francis um, at as much conditioning as he had gathered in the training camp four weeks from the fight. We was trying to make him maintain as much as that as he could. That's the only way we could do it. Power drills and sparring because he couldn't kick. He couldn't move too much. And imagine standing there with that big monster punching on you. It was crazy. But... We didn't care. We did what we had to do to try to help him get his victory, help him take his victory. And that's why this was one of my most favorite wins in the world ever, including my fights, all the champions I've trained, boxing, kickboxing, MMA. This victory was, when I closed my eyes, the most exhilarating because this shit shouldn't even happen, bro. It's crazy. It I was trying happen. to pry that out of Eric before you came, but he had a great poker face. I was going to say, I mean, this has got to yeah. be up there at the top, huh? Yeah, I think under the circumstances and everything that we went through, um, man, it's a movie. It's a scene from a movie, and we kind of laughed about that. Yeah. I'm sure Randy, our, our film guy, probably has something along those lines. But um, we, myself, Coach Dewey, and Markel were – pretty adamant that we pulled out of this fight with his experience from the knee injury yes. from my like from an anecdotal place for me from what i've seen from other fighters and, and things that i've experienced with, as a coach um we thought it was probably going to be best that we pulled out under these circumstances and then it was it was the friday before we were going to leave so it was literally our last friday practice um we, we had that come to Jesus in the PI, and I was damn near in tears, huh? Yeah, I was like, bro, yeah. like, I love you, man. You're our family, and this has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that we care. Yeah. Like, if, if, we didn't, if, if we didn't give a shit, we're going to get a paycheck and whatever, we would have been like, go fight. But it's not about that for us. It's about our legacy, yes. and that's what we care the most about. Yes. And, you know, I just said to him, I was like, look, as your coaches here, we have to be honest with you. We have to look out for your future. I don't think it's a good idea to fight this fight. But if you tell us tonight that we're going to go fight, I'm never going to bring this shit up again, and we're going to fucking row that boat 100% all the way to victory. You understand that? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I want to go to L.A. I want to meet with this, uh, this other doctor, and depending on what this doctor says, we'll decide on Tuesday. But we already fucking knew. Once we packed our bags and we were going, I was like, oh, we're scrapping one way or another. It's not going to matter. And that's what he said. He, he appeased this because – it was a, a unanimous decision on our part. Markel, Eric, and I fights off. This is Friday. This is exactly six days from fight. Like, bro, no. But he said, okay, I still want to fight. I will see the doctor Tuesday, and we will leave it up to the doctor. It won't be up to me. It won't be up to you. We'll leave it up to a third party 
Doctor says no. Francis got up and walked out. <laughs> hey, hey, Francis, you said something to the doctor. What happened? We ain't fighting, right? Francis was like, fuck that. If We're he was fighting. American, if, if Francis was an American brother, he would be like, fuck that dog. We fight. We, bro, he, he made us he made us sit out. Like, we had to go get lunch, and he went to the doctor by himself. So we weren't even in the room, bro. And then he comes walking out of the doctor's office, and I could just see a smile on his face, and I was sitting in the car. And I, like, I, 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 need to, I had, like, two margaritas readers at lunch. I'm like, bro, I need to fucking chill. He came walking out and I was like, party? Huh? And he goes, fuck yeah, Bubba. We're going. I was like, He didn't right, say though. The doctor said no. He, <laughs> yeah. he was going. Yeah, and then later on, I said that I go, what did the doctor say then? He the goes, no. Said, no. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, there'll be irreversible damage. You can't fight. I don't agree with this. the same shit he said fucking four days ago, but we're already here anyway, so Francis let's party. Was, Francis was like, man, he tried to hear that shit. We'll fight. You know what I mean? He didn't say it like that because he's not American, but that's exactly how he felt about it. Okay. <laughs> and that's part of the legacy. That's part of the movie yeah, right yes. there. Yeah. yeah, man. I think that that is what we talked about, man, is... Every champion has his defining moment, and yes. and they're, they're all not going to be, you know, first round knockouts. They're not all going to be this easy walk in the park. They're gonna we're gonna see adversity, and you know the great Randy Couture man. He told me once we won this title versus Stipe, he called me the next day, maybe even it was that night, and he said, Eric, I, I'm telling you right now, the hardest fight of your title entire defense. career is your first, first title defense. defense. He goes because th they're gonna try to fucking break the band up. You know, not they. I'm just saying they, right? But like, yeah. you know, people, people, the machine. The machine you know, people want to get in. People want this. People want that. You know, um, lives change with this type of money. Everything starts to change. You guys have to stay true to who you are, and your f the hardest fight of your career will be the first title defense. Trust me. Once you get over that hump, then 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 you get the momentum going again, and you understand the targets on your back, and everybody's gunning for you. And think about that. <clears throat> Randy was completely correct because how all of a sudden this storybook adversary pulls up from your original gym, your original coach, bad blood, a guy who you didn't sparred a million times, <laughs> a guy who they claim didn't beat you in the gym and did this and did that. I mean, who could have got a, a more feasible opponent to dethrone him. I'm thinking out of everyone for our first title defense, it's got to be someone and from the same exact environment you're from who supposedly knows everything about you. And I mean, it couldn't get more crazy than that. And the French media were wild. Oh, that yeah. press oh, conference. You were there, right? Yeah, yeah it was were there. wild. The yeah. question about, you said this. No, no, you didn't say that. You said, And I loved how Francis stood his ground I and he know. called yeah. the guy out, putting yeah. words in his mouth. Yeah. Hey, yo, that was great. By the way, <laughs> Francis, I'm gonna still call him Johnny Cochran, boy. If, you, if it don't fit, you must have quit. Oh, yeah. He was killing it at those at those media interviews, man. Yeah. You know, they were throwing all that shit at him, boy. Francis, he was bulletproof. He was like a goddamn attorney the way he was rebuttaling those questions. Facts. I was sitting there like, yeah. holy shit, man, Francis, that's that's Johnny Cochran up there, <laughs> man. Hey. <laughs> Uh, I saw you took you mentioned Steve Base coaches reach out and congratulate you. Yeah. That's fucking awesome too. Oh yeah, man! Like the, those guys have been such good people for years. I mean, you got to think. Steve Base used to go to his gym and train all the time, so he got the inside with yeah, the guys anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When 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 Stipe, obviously before Francis was involved in the in the landscape, and um, you know, anytime Stipe was in town, he would come to the gym and Coach Marinelli and and Al and Coach Bobby. Um, you know, we would see these guys on the road for years, for years on end, man. They're just good, good, solid people. Yeah. And I think it just shows a little bit about the camaraderie 
and the coaching fraternity that I think we have. Um, but bro, like, I think we're respected as coaches. You know, we're not yeah. fucking assholes. Yeah. We're not. We're not trying to you know make people look like shit or talk shit. We got our win. We celebrated for a day, and we're fucking right back to work. Yes. That's what it's about. But but I thought it was super cool that those guys took the time to reach out. Yeah, very cool. And now you're on top of the mountain. He's got to recover. He's yeah. got to get surgery and stuff like that. We're talking about legacy. Like, I know you and I have talked a lot about, you know, what you want to see down the road. And, you know, John Jones, yeah. that's all coming up and everything like that. But obviously all those conversations and talks have kind of all gone astray to a certain point where Francis has got annoyed with the narrative. He's not going to wait for John Jones and wait mm. for anything like that. We're not going to take away from the celebration. A lot can change a year from now. But can you see a situation if Francis, let's assume he's back in the UFC, is there any logical name at the top that's not named John Jones or Stipe Miocic for, for a trilogy? I, I think that's me. really it, right, Coach? Stipe, I mean, Stipe, Stipe for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, or John Jones, just because of the uh, name value and the stock and the greatness of John Jones. Uh, but a lot of people made great points. John Jones hasn't looked stellar in his last few fights. so And he hasn't fought since, what, February of 2020? You know, yeah. so I think there's Dominic a lot of Reyes. questions. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Reyes. So I yeah. think there's a lot of questions there too. Yeah. But you know, his his resume speaks for itself. Yes. Even if he hasn't fought in five years, it doesn't matter. He's still one of the pound for pound goats. So yes, if you if you were to ask us what we want, obviously, um, I think boxing is going to be up there for for him to secure the bag. Because the way I look at it too, and that Markel made a great point. He goes, John Jones is on our timetable now. We waited for him. We Two were told years. after we beat Stipe, it's John Jones. Okay, so me and him are in the fucking lab breaking film down and yes. doing whatever we have to do and get going. And this ball just never got going, you know? Then it was going to be Derek Lewis in September. Oh, wait, back up. We're going to do August. Derek Lewis, Cyril gone for a fucking interim. Okay, now you're going to fight the winner of this. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's our fault or their fault or anything else. I'm just talking fucking facts. facts. This is yeah. the way this shit went down. So, you know, whatever whatever comes down the pipe, he's got a knee injury he's going to have to deal with. You know, him and Markel will sit down and get this whole thing figured out. I'm confident, man, we're going to be fighting for the UFC. I am. I'm just confident. I think that they're going to figure this thing out, get, get, get to the terms that they want to be at. And, you know, we want to compete against the best. I want to see this motherfucker come up with a game plan to beat Tyson Fury or Devontae Wilder, somebody, you know, and let, let him go make all the money that he wants to make. And then we'll come back and we'll fucking take care of John. Especially since it's been done before, um, it's been done before. We Connor seen, did it. We seen Connor and Floyd. So why can't we see Francis and Fury? You know, what I mean, that sounds better actually. Allegiant Francis Stadium. and Fury, Legion Stadium. Yeah. yeah, bro. I was down on the field with Brad. We were doing the flag ceremony with with Tavares, and I looked over at Brad like we're on the field for the playoffs. You know, I looked at Brad. I was like, hey. We're going to get a fucking fight here. I can feel it, bro. Like, look at this place. This is electric. We have Max Crosby in here quite a few times. I nice. love the guy. He's nice. one of the best. Yeah. And I know you're a big football guy, yeah, too. That's man. your background. What, yeah. For the people that don't know, yeah. that's your, you're a football guy. Football guy. Yeah. It's yeah. full circle, man. Full circle. Yeah. yeah, but I will say whatever happens next that I'm deeply proud of Francis, whether he fights in UFC ever again or not. Hey man, this last one was 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 very very deep for me. I'll never forget it. Um, we said when we won the belt, 
uh, from Steve Bay right here in Vegas. We said, what are we doing? We're going to We're Disneyland. Disneyland. And <laughs> guess sure what? Shit did. We manifested. <laughs> we went to Disneyland and we conquered that shit last Saturday night, yep. January 22nd. So we won the belt. We said we want to go to Disneyland. Our first title defense was in fucking Disneyland. Wow. I think crazy. it's a little too big to, to to get on the rides there, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, you ain't lying. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a weight limit and shit, There's right? Gotta yeah, be, he'd get his you know. own boat. He'd be going yeah. to a little... <laughs> yeah, Fuck. not tall enough to ride these rides. How about too big? Yeah, he sinks the boat and it's a small world, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Boxing, like MMA, whatever he wants to do, man. I'm really proud of him. He's standing up for what he what, what he feels. The only thing I can really compare it to, but not on such a deep scale, was back in the 60s, man, Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes sports figures have to rise above just their sport and, and, and do what's good for humanity, what's good for people, what's good for not just uh, the elite. And you know, I feel like Francis a lot a lot of what he's doing is is for that calling, man. Sometimes we have to stand our ground and fight for what the fuck we believe in. And I got love for UFC. Like I said, I've been friends with Dana White since before this UFC shit popped off. But at the end of the day, man, when a man feels something in his heart and his soul, he should represent it to the end. So I don't give a fuck if Francis never fight again. That's up to him. Um, but we're with him and we support him 100%, whatever he decides to do. Um, but he's he's a talented guy. He's a very smart guy, and, and we care about him so much, and we want him to know that whatever you do, whatever you decide to fight, whoever, whenever, you know, your team is 100% with you. Yeah, because he is the baddest man on the planet. He's proven it. He's shown it. But an interesting thing about it, too, is it's not just about the money to him. He yes. says it's about the respect. 100%. It's about that. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Like, at the end of the day, he's got to be happy. But what is going to make him happy? And what are, is the other side willing to do to accommodate to that? you got to meet in the middle mm -hmm. and anywhere. Someone's got to give. Mm -hmm. Or yes. people, both sides have to give. And you got to find a, a middle ground. But Good old Mexican standoff. 100%. <laughs> but winning cures everything. Winning puts the position... Yeah. puts you in that driver's seat and i feel like at least at this point in time right now more so than any time in his ufc career he has something he yeah. has leverage that he never had before the old jerry Maguire moment that's right and <laughs> and for people who, who are thinking that we fabricated a a, a built-in excuse just in case francis didn't win we got some rare footage whenever francis decides to release the the after injury footage, the whole world is going to have a whole new respect for this man's name. Yeah. When you see him standing there with a brace on his leg and can't move and still training, still sparring, still getting hit, still hitting back. When you see this type of shit, it's going to really inspire millions of people to know. Me, me freaking the fuck out. To know <laughs> no matter what the fuck I'm going through, I can still do this. Yeah. This was deeper than a fight, man. I'm trying to tell you. Uh, so, again, that's up to him and Randy, all that. But when they release this footage, the world's going to be compelled. If you guys were compelled about him talking in the corner and me talking in the corner, the shit we got on video, the shit he got on video. Real life. 
Wow. Even yeah. even the uh, discussion he talked about Friday before the fight, that's on video. He was recording you whether you knew it or not. He was recording us. Yeah. I want to see You see that footage. Speech. It's going to change see, the world. I want to see the locker room talk hours, moments leading up to the fight. I, oh, I can't wait yeah. for that. We're mellow. Yeah. In the locker room, like we're real it's mellow. Fight day. We knew what was yeah. going to happen. This was no surprise for us, like, man. We're, we're okay. mellow, man. Like We're so mellow. And, we and knew what we, was going to happen. We feed off of him. Like Francis isn't like a big, like, all right, we're going to do that. You know, like, hey, a lot of that stuff for me and him is just kind of a look and a head nod and, a, right. and a handshake and an eye, you know, yep. because you, you'll know what your fighter needs and you'll know if they, if they need to be like revved up or, yeah. you know, this Newt Rockney speech 100%. or something. He doesn't need a lot of that stuff. He just needs to know that he's safe, that he's yes. secure. His team has his back. And that's a vibe. That's an energy. You know, yes. I, I, on the night of dinner, um, they that we did a little toast. And somebody had asked me that, that night, that earlier that day in a press conference, they're like, well, what, what makes this family so great? And I, I didn't really have the right words to say. I didn't understand how to articulate it. And then it hit me at dinner. I was like, there's no words to explain this family. You have to be a part of it to understand it. You have to be in this family to understand what makes us so great and what makes us tick. And, you know, and that and that's just it. We we know what one each and every one of us needs, not just Francis alone. You know, we're we're a tight unit, man. We protect each other from neck to thigh. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. We can hold the shield. We can hold the shield. <laughs> well, it's not red panty night, but it's red pants night, underpants, sheath underwear. Yay! Wanted to give you guys some underwear. Sponsor the podcast. I'll put them on right now. Twenty percent off (laughs) sheathunderwear.com. Robert Patton. I think he's worked with Donald Cerrone, a bunch of fighters and stuff like that. Iraq War veteran. Separates the balls from the shaft. Um, hey. I just figured it'd be a good gift. Celebrate oh, red, red underwear night. You got Dewey a triple XL? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do have triple have XL if we need to. <laughs> the fuck is this? Extra no, small. <laughs> uh, check it out. Promo code SHMO. 20% off sheathunderwear.com. But yeah, I, I also, I know we've dominated the conversation on Francis. There's so many other fighters that you guys talk about too. One guy in particular I just want to bring up. Yeah. Because he's, he's uh, February 5th. He's headlining the fight against Jack Hermanson. Yeah. Sean Strickland, he's yeah. in the gym a lot. I know he spars a lot with the heavyweights, too. Oh, yeah. But he, he hasn't been in the gym the past couple of days at Extreme. He's been he's been in California. He's a nomad. He goes everywhere he gets in well, work. Yeah, so you, you remember, like, I was in California for a couple of days. So he, him and I were in communication the whole time I was in Cali. I actually brought gear and pads. But um, Sean's, Sean kind of reminds me of, like I don't want to say, like, Floyd Mayweather, but, like, the same style where Floyd might say, like, oh, today I want to spar five rounds. Today I only want to spar one round, but I want to wrestle. I want to do this. It's kind of the feeling of how the day and the camp's going. So, um, And he'll check in with me, be like, Coach, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? I'm like, hey, man, you haven't done this in a few days, or we need to do some of this. But the, the, the feedback, the bounce back and forth has been really, really good. Um, dude, I, I fucking love the guy. And I know that he comes off a certain way. Um, but I'm talking about his competition and the way that he brings the best out of people in the room. You know, we're old school, so he goes hard. And but yes. he, he, like Jay Heron told him one day, Jay's like, bro, I wish you, I had you back fucking ten years ago when I was fighting because he fit that mold of what Extreme Couture once was. Now we gotten smarter, right, over time. But Sean is a fucking throwback. You know, my my boy is a Navy SEAL, calls him a straight meat eater. That motherfucker's a meat eater. I'm like, yes, he is. <laughs> and you need that. You need those those personalities in the gym because when you boil down who and what Sean Strickland really is, he just wants to see the people around him get better and succeed. His delivery is what you're going, this guy is an asshole. Yeah, you know what? He is, but he's an asshole because he sees more out of you, you know? Yeah, and, and just outside looking in, you know, 
I actually got a lot, love, a lot of love for Sean because I like real dudes. I love his conversation. If One Kick Nick, if Master One Kick Nick was young, that's Sean Strickland. Yeah. That, I mean, Sean Strickland <laughs> is like a young version of Nick Blumgren. It's so funny to me the way he talks. He'll be sparring someone and they'll start weakening up because he hit him hard. And he'll start saying, don't quit on me now, boy. Don't quit on yourself. You know, it's yeah. like he's like a – a crazy biker Viking crazy dude who's awesome because I love him because he's a hundred percent transparent. Yeah, he yeah. ain't got no punk shit. He ain't talking behind your back. Yeah, he's saying it right to you. Saying it right to you while he's fighting you. Yeah, right to you while you're fighting. While he's fighting you, and you can't get any better than that. If someone don't like me, I rather them tell me that when we're sparring, yeah. so I could go do my best to try to hurt them. Yeah, and and. and that's what I respect about Sean. He's so old school. He's so throwback, man. He's so, so 1960s, <laughs> 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. the tagline. As real as it gets. Yes, yes. He so, is as real as it gets. I will say it. I just sit and watch him spar. He's just walking up to people, beating them up. He's not even fighting. He's literally just walking up to them, punching them, and kicking them. Yeah. I'm like, these dudes just get beat up all over the place. And he's talking to them while he's doing it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy to me. But, yeah, yeah, he's definitely... I, I really enjoy being around Sean because he says the and I've seen the interviews he's, he's done with you guys. He says the craziest, coolest shit it's ever. Best. I don't know how Schmo he even thinks of this shit. Oh, and all it's I can best. say Fuck. is it's just got to be the way he thinks. You can't think of shit that quick on the spot the way he does. He's oh, just saying how he feels. It. I love it too, but. Just it tells you what kind of teammate he is too. Just watch the action man Chris Curtis who oh, trains yeah. there too, and oh, how yeah. proud. There's no one in the room more proud of him, the action man, than Sean Strickland. One hundred percent. Especially those past couple of fights, he's just yeah. been a dog every single time he's been fighting in the UFC. Yep. And now yes. look at the position that well, the action. One hundred percent, man. And like, I, I think for me, you know, obviously winning uh, MMA Junkie Gym of the Year, the things that resonated with me the most are the people's lives that we changed within that year, right? The, the the awards, the accolades, meaning the titles and all that stuff, that's that's gonna obviously bring shine to the gym. But for me as a coach, whose lives have we actually changed throughout the year? Whose life was the better? And that was Taylor Gordado. You know, that was um, Chris Curtis. That was Casey O'Neill. You know, the the people in the room that uh, Cheyenne Velismus. Those those lives changed, man, throughout the year. And I think that's a testament to the coaches and the gym and the people that we surround ourselves with. Yes. That's what you get into the sport for, bro. Is to really hopefully change people's lives for the better. Damn, well said. Yeah, yeah and 100%. Chris Curtis, I believe I saw he has a new fight book. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the guy from South Africa, um, I, I'm gonna butcher his name. Yeah, D- 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 Dia Police. He's a real deal, man. This kid's good. Yeah, this kid's good. So we got a we got a really good fight on our hands, and uh, that's gonna be in Florida, I think, in April. So we're gonna meet actually tomorrow. We'll go to lunch and we'll sit down and, and put pen to paper and start breaking down the game plan. What'd you make of uh, when you found out that Korean Zombie was getting the title shot against Volkanovski? And then you think about it because his last win was against Ige. Ige and then yeah. Ige, if Ige got that fight, then he'd be in position, arguably, to be getting the featherweight title shot. Yeah. Wow. So, for for from my from my perspective on the Ige side of things, um, this is a this is something beautiful that we can lean on for Dan. Yeah. It's like, man, like you know. I felt like we won the Josh Emmett fight. By no means did I feel it was a robbery. But there's little things aesthetically we need to do better. And then the same thing in the Calvin Cater fight. The same thing in the Korean zombie fight. But that this to me is like going to fucking college and getting reps with some of the best in the, in the world, top five in the world. That's only going to make Dan better. And then don't forget now when Korean zombie, um, when he beat, 
who did he, so he lost to Ortega. Ortega. But the fight before that, it was like, holy shit. And then he comes in to fight Ortega, favorite, right? Ortega comes out and puts a clinic on him. And then everybody fucking thinks zombies just, ah, well, he's not as good as what we thought he was. It's such recency That's what bias. happened with Kelvin Cater recently, That's why too. we all made a lot of fucking yes. money. A lot yeah. of fucking money. And I like Giga. I think Giga's great. But I just thought stylistically... And the and, and not not that that Giga couldn't win that fight. I'm talking value. When I saw the number on Calvin, I'm like, this motherfucker's a two to one, bro. I know Tyson. I know that camp. I know what he did and said in a year out. Everything they put together, I'm like, well, there's value on Calvin Cater, bro. There's value there. We'll the, take that value. The way he fought and in the, the pocket, experience the he learned from Max Holloway. Facts. The experience yes. he learned. A loss is definitely a good thing if you really develop and learn from that. And, and Calvin's a perfect example of that. Yeah, exactly. So Came I mean, out quicker, wasn't start off with that slow Muay Thai build as the rounds go. Uh, he got great knowledge from that Max Holloway fight, and he showed it, and uh, he looked spectacular. So I think it, it shows that if you're in that top five in any weight division, right, when, when, when he got the call with Kevin to go fight Tony Ferguson, t Kevin was five, I believe, yeah? yes? Yep. So, I mean, you have to understand that coming off of a good win or a good performance and you're fresh and you're ready to go, that ball can be in your court at any point, at any time. And it's just proven again with Korean Zombie. Max falls out. Okay, who's next up? They're going down the list. Everybody's throwing their name in the hat. Okay, Korean Zombie. He came off of a good win against Dan Ige. Let's give him a shot. So my point is that, that should give hope to all these guys that are in that pecking order is, dude, you better be in fucking shape and be ready to go because that phone might ring and you might be sitting at home eating ho-hos and drinking beers and you're not ready. You know, and the Jay Haran always pound that on our head. Like, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get stay ready. ready. That's right. And you just brought him up, Kevin Lee. I know he just signed with Eagle FC, and he told us he moved to Florida right? yeah. recently. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, by by our blessings, and, yeah. and you know, I I think it's a great move for him, to be honest with you. I think that, uh, you know, myself, Coach Dewey, um, everybody here in Vegas, uh, we, we, we did everything we can for him. And at some point, he has to listen and be receptive to the help that he's getting. Um, you know, Coach Eddie, I mean, he's – Here's the thing is sometimes we'll put game plans together. We'll do things and, and Kevin will get away from those things, you know, and he'll tell you that he'll say like, fuck, I, I didn't listen there. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So for us, and I don't want to speak for coach Dewey, but I know his heart too is we just want to see him win. We want to see him successful. We don't care who's cornering him. And then Henry called me a few weeks ago and we FaceTimed and he just wanted to know, like, are he, is he leaving on bad terms? Like, what's going on there? We're like, no, like, we, we want him to be successful. And if he's going to go anywhere, I'm glad it's with Coach Henry. He's a guy that I look up to and I consider a good friend and, you know, Greg Jones and all those guys out there. So he's going he's gonna to be fine out there. I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah, and Kevin, you know, we talk, of course, we talk all the time. He messaged me right after the uh, Francis win and had such a great a great text message. And I love Kevin. You know, I've been with Kevin since basically the beginning of his UFC career. Um, I love Kevin. Um, but I always told Kevin, whatever you need to make you feel confident, feel, you know, reinvigorated, whatever you need – I support it 100%, whether it's with me or without me. That's when the whole Faraz thing happened. You know, he was in Canada. Me and Faraz are very cool. I, I've, I've never been the type that try to hold someone back who feels they need to go get something. And by the way, the same thing he talked about with Francis about 
most coaches would have been saying, no, take the fight so we get paid. We were the ones telling him, don't take the fight. It's not good. We'll, we'll just bite the bullet on the money. We need you to be at your best. We need you to be successful. Francis decided to fight anyway, and it worked out for us. But we were the ones saying, you know, fuck our pockets. We want this legacy. We want these victories. The more wins we get, the better. So it's the same thing with Kevin. It's like, whatever you need to do to make yourself win, we love you as a brother, not just as some guy we trained. So Facts. no no hard feelings. And, and we talk, him and I talked about that. We had a great conversation. I'm completely comfortable. I even talked to Henry in the restroom with Francis. We were warming Francis up. Uh, about Kevin going Best over spot. there. Yeah. yeah, we just happened to be washing our hands next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I talked to Harry, and he was like, yeah, you know, I know he loves you and respects you, Dewey, all of that stuff. So we we commend Kevin and we want the best for him and I told him you know our doors always open you in Vegas holler at your boy because oh, yeah. when I'm in, I'm in Miami I'm gonna definitely holler at you oh, we're gonna, we, we'll, we'll still stay in contact yeah, and, we'll, and we we'll support him. and love yeah. him so it's just but one I will of those be, things I will be dropping all that sparring footage of Kevin once he leaves though. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's one of those things so it's, it wasn't any kind of breakup or people getting fired and all of this it was just a transition yeah it's all uh, love man sometimes love. it is breakups and bad blood like you guys seeing with Francis and his ex-coach but with the Kevin situation completely nothing like that it was simply a transition um things are going on in his life uh he wants to you know Miami when you go to Miami who wouldn't want to live in Miami you know what I mean uh so it's one of those things that's good for him the company's in Miami so why not and we support his decisions 100 percent you just brought up his old – I didn't want to bring back Francis up, but I think that's a really good question I want to ask you guys. So if you can remember a couple of years ago when Francis left the team um, and he came over to Vegas, yes. what was that transition like? Like walk us through like the mental state of where Francis was at then to where he is now on top of the mountain, the reigning defending heavyweight champion in the world. Well, it's funny. Remember, I didn't really understand this until recently, honestly. Um because when Francis first came here, him and I had a huge language barrier. He met me at, he met me at the TMT gym. He said he wanted to train. I thought he said a certain day. He didn't. We we were we were. It was bad. Like the first week, we didn't understand each other. We we're getting schedules twisted up. Anyway, I trained him about six straight months. Just it was just him and I, and I was telling him way back then I was the first person to say go to Couture's. They got heavyweight wrestlers over there. They got a great wrestling program, program, and that's what we need. Um, he decided to do some training at Syndicate. We we love John Woods and all of that, but I was like Couture's because they got Benny, they got Eric, they got plenty of goddamn heavyweights for you to grapple with because I definitely can't do it. You know what I mean? But he didn't want to do any of that. He just wanted to be at the PI by himself and we trained for months. Originally, we were supposed to fight JDS way back then. The fight in Canada, the fight got canceled. We ended up getting the Overring fight, and the rest was history. You know, he took Overring's head off. Uh, I've never seen. I was training with him that whole time. We used to go to the park and and uh, Summerlin on on the weekends and train there, and on the soccer field. And then we go to Mount Charleston and run. Uh, and I really didn't understand Francis because I didn't know the magnitude of what was going on in France. Mm. For us, uh, I'm sorry, not for us. Uh, uh, Fernan. uh, for Lopez, Fernand Lopez would would come here, but they always spoke French, so I had no idea. Sometimes they may have not been on the same page. I just thought they were speaking French. <laughs> I, I never felt any kind of 
animosity. issues yeah. like it, arguments, hostility, anything. Um, they're speaking French. I don't know. Um, so it, it was so weird to me when I finally got to truly know Francis and figured out that he was just basically closed off to the world. Yeah. Um, Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bunner all recommended him to train with me when he said he was coming to Vegas. They said, we got the perfect guy. K-1 fighter, kickboxer, he's strong. He's probably the only guy that can handle your, your power as far as holding pads and shit for you. So that's how I got the gig. You know, I'm in the boxing also, so it was a good it was a good thing for Francis. Anyway, I never could figure out why he didn't want to go other places. It was just because he was you know, probably in a bad situation or the situation going a little south and he just didn't want to bring other people in. Later on, we found out that's exactly what it was. He's, he stopped trusting a lot of people. Mm. He didn't want to get into the same type of situation he was in at the previous gym. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's pretty sad because uh, people do that all the time. And even a big, strong dude like him, you just kind of feel like, man, I can't, I can't find my team. I can't find people who supports me just for me, not for some arterial motive uh, in his mind. Uh, I'm not saying that's what Fernand was doing, but in his mind, he felt like he needed someone to really be there for him. And that's what he has now. And he said that the other day. Remember, he told us that I got a team that really cares about me now. And that's so weird to me because I was training him for years that whole time. I never knew he felt this way at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think our relationship had to be very organic, and it took a lot of time for him to build that trust, uh, especially with me. Yeah, trust. You know, trust. and uh, he moved to Vegas, uh, 2018, I believe, and he f he fought Stipe. Um, didn't have really a gym in Vegas. He had the PI, PI and then was he it. was going back and forth. I think to France, yes. and I don't think he had much going on there. Obviously lost that fight, um, Derek Lewis fight. I think he he did most over at Syndicate. Yes. Um, and then after that, he started training more with the team over at Extreme Couture, Curtis Blades too. That was when he really set foot in Extreme Couture and like, okay, I'm committed to training. And then uh, Markel Martin reached out to me for the Cain Velasquez fight and said, hey, I, I think that I would, you know, would you be interested in coaching Francis? And at the time um, – I, I, I mean, we were friends. We knew each other. He has been training with us, but we didn't have that emotional connection quite yet. And, and I said, well, I, I don't know if, if it's, the timing is right right now. And then I think Ferdinand coached um, him for the gone fight, and then it was after that. Uh, they invited me to corner with him in the JDS fight, and we did. And after that, he said after the fight, he was like, I've been testing you. I was like, what do you mean you've been testing me? Like, what does that mean? He's like, you have a pure heart. You care. Like, I want you to be a part of this whole thing. So, um, and then for myself and Francis, our bond became a lot closer during the pandemic, right? We were friends. We were close. We, I cornered him. Um, but we went, we went, went through a whole camp with Jarzinho. And then we were about a week out before we were supposed to leave. And the, you know, pandemic hit in March. And then that's when uh, I think him and I became the family that we are now today. You know, it was the dinners and the and the time over at the house and getting to know my kids and, you know, knowing my wife and my mom and my family and stuff like that that really made all of us tighter, made of all of us closer because at one point in the gym, it was literally me, Dewey, Francis, and the walls, bro. It was no one else in there but us and Sweat Equity. So, and I think that's when you see that moment in round five 
that moment in round five was is fucking earned. It was fucking earned, bro. It was no bullshit. Yes. It was nothing else, man, because he felt that. And we all, we all, hey, motherfucker, we got this. And he knew it. He knew he had it. Yes, yes. And so to a lot of people listening to this, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely accused of this, make sure when you're relating to people, make sure you do your best to examine them and make sure they're okay. Because it's crazy, man. Like, I'm such a, uh, a fight guy and, and strong, strong, strong. And I look at Francis like he's strong, strong, strong. I never re- even realized something dismal was going on because all I cared about was him, the moment we're training, pushing, pushing, pushing. So uh, I learned a valuable lesson from that because when I start hearing about the, the chaos, I'm like, what the fuck? I was there. <laughs> Didn't feel a thing. Crazy, because I'm so focused on victory and fighting and what we got to do. So, you know, definitely anyone out there listening, definitely be focused on what you got to do, but but be more like Eric and look for signs of, of there may be an issue. Yeah, there's, there's, it says a lot just about the surroundings, you know what I mean? And we're we're going to feed off the, the closest five people that we're around and you know, and we, we tend to bring each other up. We like to compete. We like to talk shit. Yes. You know, we, we, we love it. We're, we're just we're just a family, you know. And uh, we were talking one day. I did a thing last week, and they, they wanted us to s- describe kind of like what, what the team does. And I, I elaborated to the movie 300 when, you know, the guy in the goat path with the hump, and, and he shows his thrust, but he couldn't lift the shield. And that breaks the phalanx. You have to be able to protect the guy to your left from the neck to the thigh. And if you can't protect that guy, then you can't be part of this team, man. Yep, 100%. 100%. That's the mic drop. That Definitely. Yeah. That is a damn good note to end on. You guys are fantastic. Fucking fantastic podcast guests. Thank Dynamic you. duo together. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, but I'm glad the world's seen us do our thing in our corner, in, in, in the corner. But we've been doing this shit a long time. We ain't new to this. God (laughs) damn it. Well, you were just on the podcast a couple weeks ago, man. The audience isn't new to you here. We ain't new to this. And you were you were on the old when we were at the old location. Yeah, I've been that one a couple times. For sure. We really appreciate you guys coming on the Schmo Zone. Yeah, I mean Victory Lap right here, Victory Weep episode ninety two of the Schmo Zone podcast. The Reggie White episode. Reggie yes, White, sir. one of the greatest to ever do it. Right. Yes. Better as a Packer or an Eagle? Uh, I got to go Eagle, bro. Eagle. I'm a Bears fan, so I I'm definitely Eagles. say Eagles. Eagles yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are out. Yeah.